Thanks to Derek Blakesley, the Badgers outsider. We go from an outsider to an insider. Who just was talking with Jim Leonard. The Badgers interim football coach until Jason Eck gets the job. It is the esteemed Wisconsin State Journal columnist, Jim Polzine. Jimmy, good morning. How are you? Thanks for making time for us. Great, guys. Thanks for having me. That that news conference of Jim Leonard's was so long, Jason, 25 minutes, that we had to do the Green Bay Packers transcription service and uh, split it up four ways. Wow. Do I need to take uh, five minutes at the end of the thing? Send me the audio. I, I, wish, you, I wish you would right now, yes. I gotta finish the radio show. Well, uh, if it was twenty-five minutes, was Wildy over there asking one of the questions? Is that what I knew what that was coming? Twenty-five minutes, or how did that play out? Great, great call, Tausch. Uh, so, Jim, what did you learn from your first uh, interaction here as Jim Leonard as the interim head coach? Well, I thought he was great. I, I had no doubt that he would be great, uh, but I really thought he was great. And I think the message that came across was that. He didn't hide anything about how hard this was for, for himself, for the players, for the guys on staff, who some of whom have been with Paul Chris for a long time, that this was a really emotional, you know, 24-plus hours. And, and the, the, the first part of his job, his very first order of business, before X's and O's and anything else, is just getting this team emotionally there, you know, and, and working through some of that stuff and letting them vent and listening and, and talking. And um, so I think that was a lot of what yesterday was, was just, Getting them to a point where they could function in a practice um, before they even went forward, because I think you know, I think a lot of us you know, who haven't played the game and just are looking at this from the outside uh, don't realize how big this is from an emotional standpoint, and just how much of a shock this is to a to a team system. And so I think that was you know, job number one for Jim Leonard was was working through that yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a death. I mean, if yeah. you really look at yes. it, because Paul's tenure. That was it. Uh, so, Jim, when you look at I'm just fascinated with all of the other stuff. I think moving forward with Jim Leonard and understanding what he's going to do offensively, defensively, That there's time for that. But what do you think happened on Sunday? Because to me, it's the fascinating part of this, and this will be the Natasha Bedingfield, the rest is unwritten <laughs> part, that do you think Mac went in Sunday thinking – I'm going to relieve Paul of his duties, or do you think it was some stuff that was said throughout that meeting? Because it was a long meeting by accounts. What do you think happened there, and do you think Mac had his mind made up prior to meeting with Paul on Sunday? Great questions, Tosh. And so I was kicking myself all day yesterday because you know I got Chris for about ten minutes Sunday as I'm off in a corner of Lambeau Field trying to sort this all out, um, and I did not ask him that question. And then I Monday I woke up and I'm like you know what, kicking myself. But we got him a little bit yesterday because Todd Molesky got him on the phone about the buyout stuff. And I, before Todd talked to him, I'm like, hey, like, I want to know, this is what I want to know. Did you go into that meeting knowing you were firing Paul Christ, or did something happen within that meeting that, um, that led you down that road? And Chris sidestepped the question. He just didn't, didn't want to go there. So to answer your question, we don't know exactly how this all went down. If this was something that Chris decided, Saturday night and slept on if someone got in his ear Saturday night or Sunday morning, you know, I don't know. I, I, there's certainly nothing to the point where I could report it at this time. I'm hearing a lot of different things and a lot of different specul- speculation, but I don't know. And I don't know how long it'll be before we ever really know how Sunday exactly played out. 
Yeah, that's the part that is really interesting. And then yeah. you see that report of the because one of the things when you know Brust went on his rant the other day that and then you went I wouldn't say you ranted but your uh, I guess your take Saturday after the debacle against Illinois and you start wondering well that's nineteen some change million dollars that you're buying out Coach Christ and then it comes back and the report was eleven million so. This is just my thoughts. That makes me think that maybe it was more mutual than it was. So am I crazy to think that when you start looking at the numbers and how things played out? Well, there's a lot that plays in the numbers. Let's, let's start there. It's, you know, $19 million and UW is saying it's $20.2 million. Uh, I think the other side is saying it's under $20 million. But whatever. Let's just, just, somewhere between 19 and $20 million is a number. But if you think about this, Paul Chris could have played hardball and said, I want every last penny of that. $20 million. A, he would have had to have waited till February 2027, 20, I believe, to collect that entire total. Um, there might have been some litigation involved just to just to even reach that point. I, I, I have to look at this, but I think Brett Bielema um, went through a pretty serious litigation with Arkansas to collect that buyout because you get to that point and, and people start fighting about what what you're really owed and what's, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's such a complicated contract guys that the two parties can't even really come to an agreement on what that first, that top total was, whether it was 20.2 or less than 20. It's, it's, so that tells you all you need to know about that calculation. But Paul Chris basically can say, Hey, 11 million is the number we're going to come to. I get that all basically now. Like it's the first check can start rolling in November 1st, I believe of this year. And it's got to be paid out by February 1st. So by, the, by February 1st, he's going to have $11 million. And he can kind of figure out how he wants those payments to work out. He's in, he's, that, that's his decision. And he could base it around tax money. You know, he's going to have a tax man tell him, wait till, take it all now or, or wait till January and, and whatever. So that's one reason to do it now. And I really think this. Paul cares about this program. He cares about the guys still in this program. He didn't want this to drag out. He didn't want it to be a distraction. He wanted to exit quietly and not have um, a fight with a place he loves about a lot of money. Now, let's, it, this is a lot of money, mm-hmm. but I, I really think if you combine all those factors, the money now, there's one, there's one other thing about that that I should mention is the mitigation part of this. He can go get a job now, and it does not come out of that $11 million. Otherwise, the way the contract was written – he could have gone and got an offensive coordinator job for a million dollars in NFL or whatever, and it would have been offset. Mm-hmm. Now he can go get paid tomorrow, and it doesn't come out of that eleven million. So there's a lot of reasons for taking a settlement in this case. I, I think you know there's a lot of fans in my timeline thinking that Paul's some sort of doofus that that is getting robbed here, and and I think they need to understand the facts of this. That there's a lot of reasons to do the, do things the way he did. Yeah, and yeah, and that's why I just wanted to get that out there because I think when you saw that, I had a lot of people asking me and fans talking, saying that it must have been mutual. And there's obviously what you're saying is no, Paul. Paul was fired, and it was that's how this played well, out. And, okay, so let me let me clarify this. I we don't know that yet. It, it, there's there's a part of my mind that goes to a place where Paul realizes that he's not the one getting this fixed and. Um, surrender is the wrong word. I don't want to say that, but I do wonder whether, you know, what was going through his mind on Sunday, because, you know, go back to the column I wrote off the game. He goes in at halftime 
and they're down by four points. And he basically, it's, it's, he's had it, and it's the draw lined in the bleeping sand moment to his team, right? This is, it's now or never, guys. And they go out and play a terrible, terrible half against a guy who used to coach here. So I'm, part of me is thinking, well, if, that, if my message was so strong at halftime and, and they're not responding to me, where does that leave me? You know, where does that leave me with this team? Have I lost this team? And I wonder how much that was going to pulse it. Talking with Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal. He just got done along with a variety of other reporters talking with new interim Badgers football coach Jim Leonard. Uh, Jimmy, I thought your column about the Packers game on Sunday was outstanding. Really the best work you've ever done. Um, You're welcome for the idea. I, I wondered... I wondered the same thing about Paul and whether or not there was a more of a mutual aspect than we think. And I hope at some point he talks about these things because I think he can without being a distraction or hurting the university. And I certainly hope he does it on our show. That said, as we are watching this unfold and what you just said about maybe him looking in the mirror after that draw a line in the sand speech at halftime... When you look at what their offensive line has been like, when you look at the number of defensive starters that they've had to replace, when you look at the fact that Graham Mertz has not been, in all fairness to everyone involved, as good as we all thought he was going to be when he came in as a four-star recruit and we were going to see this passing attack that would complement this great running game that Wisconsin has had, and you look at maybe the development of players in addition to the recruitment of players, do you believe that this had to be done, that the, that Paul Christ was never going to get them back to where they were a few years ago? What was that, five years ago when they're playing Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game for a right to go to the college football playoff? Like, I don't know if it should have been done on Sunday or not, but do you believe that it had run its course like it had with Mike McCarthy? Yeah, there's so much to that, Jason. Like, part of me wants to go here. Like, okay, if, if, and Max told me this last Wednesday when I was in his office. Like, the goal here, the expectation level is championships. And I I clarified, I'm like, listen, are you talking division championships or conference championships? And he's very much made clear that it's conference championships. To which my point was, this program feels like it's never been further away from a conference championship in part because of its own doing, but in part because Ohio State has just taken off and separated itself, and Michigan to some degree. Those programs are, they've elevated in this new NIL, whatever, transfer portal world that we have. And Wisconsin has, you know, a little bit stuck in a rut. And, and, and the distance between those two vehicles is, is greater now than I think it has been in a long, long time. So can Paul Chris be the one to close that gap you know, I don't know. I, I, I really, I, I can understand if you're thinking that way, why you could come to the conclusion you did. I still have a hard time with the timing of it. You know, I, and maybe it's because I just didn't see it coming. And Chris told me 96 hours earlier that, you know, yes, this program's in a rut. It's been in ruts before. And uh, Paul's a guy I've worked with for seven years and we work side by side and I trust. And he seemed to think he could get him through this. And then four days later, he's fired. You know, that's, that's hard for me to reconcile that part of it. Um, and then the other part of it is, part of me is like, why not let the season play out? What what good does it do now other than you get a pretty good look at Jim Leonard? But I don't think you get a good look at Jim Leonard in a real fair spot because he's, he's handcuffed by 
an offensive coaching staff that he had no say in hiring, you know, so are you really getting a true measure of Jim Leonard over these next seven games? I don't know that. So part of me is like, why not let the season play out, try to regroup, and then make your decisions? Now, the argument against that is someone comes and snaps up Jim Leonard. Um, and if you think Jim Leonard is the guy, if you think he's the future of this program, then maybe that's why you act. When All you right. One last one for me, and then Tausch will wrap things up with you, Jimmy. We appreciate you making time. I know how busy you are. Um, do you think if Paul Christ has a more dynamic personality, people view this differently? Yeah, and so here's the comparison I've been making. When he's 34 and 7 after three years, and you're coming off a um, moment on Twitter where he's, you know, turn, turnover chain by bleeping bleep. Um, everyone loves I love him. that. And it, and it doesn't matter what he says in a press conference when you're 34 and 7. It's, he's, he's the Wisconsin guy who's all shucks, and, you know, he is who he is. But it doesn't work when you're not winning, right? It's when you're. When you're 500 level in the Big Ten play over a pretty extended period, and people want answers and they want emotions on the sidelines, even though that's not ever who Paul Chris was going to be, um, it doesn't sell. And that's so I understand that part of it too. Like you can, I'm not. I never expected Paul Chris to change who he was. Although I really wish, like Saturday, when I asked him his emotions, I really wish he would have showed some emotions in that answer. Um, but Paul was a guy who was not going to change who he was no matter what. So I don't know if I answered your question, Jason, but that's, that's kind of my view on, on the, um, the demeanor of Paul Christ. Yeah. I don't know if you answered that question either. It was another sidewinding 15, 20 minute question. <laughs> another, another yeah, it's, it's, it's good though. So <laughs> that was actually a short, it wasn't your worst. I'll, I'll give you that. So Jim, before, before you go. So when you looked at what Mac told you on Friday or Thursday of last week, and then rectify that, Jason, is was always hurt when he felt like Goot didn't shoot the sh- shoot him straight with the truth. Yeah. I understand from Mac's perspective, he's going to say what he you know he's not going to tell you if he's thinking that because then that is a creates a complete blank storm. So how do you do you think that what happened Saturday against Illinois was the thing that tipped him over and changed his mind, or how do you look at it from a reporter standpoint when he told you this on Thursday and then Sunday you're writing a report up? That Paul Christ is gone. Great long question. Well, Great a, question. Yeah, that was that was very short. Um, Thanks. You know, I'm not. First I'm, of all, not I'm not a reporter. I'm not, so I'm not mad at me. Chris, and, and believe me, I've I've replayed our our, our conversation on Wednesday and, and 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 thought about the exact same stuff you've thought about. I guess my point is, he didn't have to talk to me at all on Wednesday. Didn't have to give a state of the program address. You know, could have said, "Hey, Jim, understand you're interested in 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 things after the way things went down at Ohio State, but." As you know, as we've talked about before, I've given evaluations of the program at the end of the season when I've had a full chance to evaluate 12 games. So that's, in retrospect, how I think he could have handled that moment. He could have answered my questions different within that Wednesday interview. Um, yep. Certainly didn't have to bring up Michigan. He brought up Michigan at one point and how everybody was ready to... He, didn't, he, didn't, he never mentioned the words Michigan or Jim Harbaugh, but made it very clear he was talking about Michigan and Jim Harbaugh and everybody wanting Jim Harbaugh fired, and then poof, a a bounce back happens, and you know, look at what happened in Michigan there in the playoffs last year. So these were all areas that I wasn't leading him down, and he went down himself, which is why I walked out of that office that day and wrote a column basically saying, hey, if you're someone who wants Paul Christ on the hot seat, 
my take after a 15, 20 minute conversation with Chris McIntosh is his seat isn't even remotely warm. And you know what? I look dumb now for it. I'm fine. I, I have to write what I think in the moment. And based on the context I had, that's what I wrote. And obviously, like you said, four days later, very, very different story. Tausch loves to bring up that cold December well, day no, in I'm 2018. Just thinking, I'm thinking Smokey the Bear, you know, and you got that little signs out there. There's no risk for fire. There's low. So it <laughs> went from green to red real quick after the Illinois game is what you're telling me happened. I don't know. I asked him that Sunday night, and I'm like, Chris, we had this conversation Wednesday. Uh, did I misread that? What happened? And his answer was, I don't – I think it was something like I don't want to get into the – how long I was thinking about this, or I don't want to, you know, it wouldn't have been appropriate for me. So I don't know. I, I, one of the million things I would love to know if I had sat down with Chris McIntosh for a beer someday is, is, is what happened in four days. I know you don't know this, Jim, but I also think that once upon a time, Mark Murphy was thinking about firing Mike McCarthy at the end of the 2018 season, and when they lost to a crappy Arizona team at home, he knee-jerked and fired him then. Is there any chance, I know you don't know this for certain, that Chris McIntosh was thinking the same way Mark Murphy was, and that loss, he knee-jerked and just fired him then? Quite possible, and, and let's throw in the context that this isn't just a 34-10 home loss. It's a 34-10 home loss to... Brett Bielema and Illinois mm-hmm. team that's in the second year of a rebuild. So, Correct. sure. And I'll also throw in this context that maybe this wasn't 100% a Chris McIntosh decision that somebody was in his ear. And I don't know, I'm not even going to speculate who it was, but I'm not sure when you ask that question, did Chris McIntosh's mind change over 96 hours? I'm not sure he had some, he didn't have some help getting to that point in those 96 hours. Jimmy, we appreciate you. Thanks, man. Yep. Good talking to you guys. That is Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal. Yes, it really was. I'm glad Jim made time for us because I know he's got a lot on his plate right now. Uh, We are going to preempt Woe Nelly to do Twitter Trash or Twitter Treasure presented by WM. That's next. It's Will Dean's house.